Welcome to Radio B&R, a podcast production of the Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Radio B&R, keeping Tennessee Baptists informed about the issues impacting their lives and churches. Hello and welcome into this edition of Radio BNR. I'm Chris Turner, Director of Communications at the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. And today we're talking with Chris Phillips while here at the Southern Baptist Convention in Phoenix. Chris is a native Tennessean, uh, but is also a church planner. So Chris, welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Good to, have, uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, just tell us a little bit about where you're from and kind of uh, the journey that, that at least brought you to where we are today. Yeah, uh, I'm a native Memphian, so born and raised uh, in Memphis. Went to Christian Mothers High School there in Memphis, Tennessee. Grew up in that area. And um, uh, I tell a lot of people, you can know that I love the Lord because I went to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville after that. And uh, so went over there to Knoxville. Uh, lived there for about eight years and uh, was in pharmaceutical sales there after graduation. Uh, met my wife there, who is a native uh, Knoxvillian. She went to Farragut High School. Uh, so Tennessee runs through and through in our bloods. Uh, our, our boys bleed orange. Uh, they don't know anything else other than Tennessee football, uh, which doesn't seem to be good right now. But <laughs> we're, we're telling them that it's ups and downs. We'll get past that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, after my wife and I got married uh, in Knoxville, we moved back to Memphis and uh, moved back to Memphis. I uh, was looking for a church home, quite frankly. Uh, neither one of us really grew up in a church home. Uh, and we knew after we got married that we really needed to get plugged in to get our marriage right, to get the foundation back to where we knew mm -hmm. it needed to be. Uh, and we landed, lo and behold, at uh, Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, quite frankly, we got there. Uh, one of the number one reasons we got there is because there was a huge young marriage department that was there mm. where we could really do life with people that were in our same stage of life. Right. Uh, we needed to look eyeball to eyeball with people, hold each other accountable, find out the ups and downs of marriage. Uh, and how that played out with the gospel and what the gospel said about uh, marriage and, and honoring your spouse. And uh, so we ended up at Bellevue uh, and were there for about 10 years uh, up until here we are now, uh, Coloradans. Uh, about a week ago, we moved to Colorado, Denver, wow. Colorado, to plant a church. And, uh, you know, it's a, a long journey to there, but I would say that uh, a lot of that started with the equipping and encouragement and the work of the Lord uh, in us through our time serving at Bellevue, just regular lay leaders and, and deacon uh, serving on ministry teams there. And uh, well, that's one of the things I was going to ask you about when you move to Memphis and are looking for a church because you know your family needs to be involved. Yeah. That seems to be kind of on the front end of understanding what it means to be a believer yeah. to now here we are a decade later, you're actually going into church planning. So yeah. What was it the Lord kind of did in your life? Because you also worked there with, with uh, young marrieds and yeah. had some other responsibility there in the church. What was the transition there that kind yeah. of led to that point? Yeah, you know, for the uh, first three or four years while we were there, we were just uh, lay leaders and, and serving. And quite frankly, the Lord just kind of impressed a, a, a desire and a heartbeat on us that we couldn't extinguish uh, for a call to full-time vocational ministry. Um, and so during that time, I knew uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a learner, I'm a studier. Uh, I love uh, people that go through the proper processes to do things. So I went to seminary during that time as well while I was in medical sales. Uh, went through seminary, and at that time, Bellevue actually had a, an opening on staff uh, for young couples and recreation ministry, uh, which were two things that we had served in in the church for a really long time. And so uh, they took a chance on me, a guy with no ministry experience, 
uh, to oversee the recreation ministry, and then the young couples, which were the young marrieds, uh, engaged, newlywed, and, and kind of new parent couples. Uh, and so really, honestly, it, it, it was a dying to self, uh, you know, because we were in medical device sales. We were serving. We were doing the things that we wanted to. Uh, but we just had to take a step of obedience when God was prompting us to, to take a step of faith to let us know that mm. he's in charge. And, uh, and so we did that. And, uh, you know, a step of obedience at Bellevue is a lot different than some other churches. I mean, it's a very large church with a lot of resources. Right. But still for us, it was a huge step of obedience to go from the, the marketplace uh, into full-time vocational ministry. And uh, honestly, Chris, I think a lot of that started by just small steps of obedience prior to that from getting involved in a small group at the church, from serving at the church out in the community and in the city, uh, from doing things that we knew that we needed to do anyways. And those small steps of obedience really fast forward to where we are now. Uh, one of the steps, we did a, a church plant mission trip in Seattle. Uh, if I had to really pinpoint where God really started wrestling on my heart, it was probably doing that mission trip uh, to work with the church plant in Seattle and just to see how ministry and mission was lived out on an everyday basis in a context way different than the Bible Belt that we have in, in the state of Tennessee. Uh, and well, so God really worked on me there. Well, that's one of the things I was going to ask you about is we do have a great Within Tennessee, we really are starting to see more and more of an emphasis on, emphasis on people wanting to go into church planting. But it sounds like the big decision to become a church planter begins with serving in your local church. And you yeah. mentioned some of those types of things of just looking for opportunities to not only serve in a local church, but also look for that exposure ministry opportunity to actually what church planning is. Yeah. What else types of things do you feel like yeah. folks that are, are thinking or contemplating about or maybe feel like the Lord's wrestling with them in church planning? Yeah, you know, I think uh, he who is faithful in the small things are going to be faithful with big things. And, you know, I, I don't think if I'm not serving my city, uh, then it's going to be really hard to go somewhere else and serve. Quite frankly, it's easy to go to Seattle, where I don't know anybody, to go and serve the city and serve the community there where uh, my fears are washed away because I know that in a week I'm leaving. Uh, but when I'm in my city, that's where God really started impressing upon us. So we, we go to Seattle, and it really changed our kind of methodology for how we do ministry. Uh, we saw messiness. We saw real relational evangelism uh, that, quite frankly, was just void in our life at that mm -hmm. time. And so we had to create... We had to create margin in our lives so that we could uh, relationally evangelize people, so that we could even build relationships with the people that were believers. You know, how deep were our relationships at Bellevue? Uh, or were they just Sunday morning, you know, Wednesday evening type of relationships? And so uh, from that time frame, it really began investing in our neighborhood, investing in the relationships that God had given us, and then trying to find ways to get outside of our our church walls and really build relationships with people that were unchurched. Uh, and so those small things really, quite frankly, what they do is they start growing a, a passion in your heart for more and more and more. Mm -hmm. um, and then so over the, the course of a couple of years, my wife and I really just evaluated where we were with how we were living on mission currently where we were. Uh, I just don't think uh, that you can be a leader in an organization and not be a leader at home. And so I don't think you can be a leader in Denver, Colorado, where we're headed to, if I'm not first a leader in living out what I want to live out there in Memphis, Tennessee. And so it really started with living out what I felt God impressing upon our heart uh, in Memphis before he really even grew that passion and burning desire to do it in a lost area. Well, you also mentioned, and I thought it was interesting uh, to say a little bit more about it, 
you realize that you weren't creating margin mm. to, to cause I think a lot of people will kind of not necessarily hide behind, but they talk about how busy they are. Yeah. And if I had more time to do that, it sounds like that was an intentional decision to stop doing some things to be able to create that ministry uh, margin yeah. in there. And, you know, one of the things that we see and, and we're encouraging and we're seeing a lot of churches embrace it is getting beyond their walls and into their community. Yeah. But it sounds like that's, that just doesn't happen. That yeah. sounds like an intentional thing. Yeah, you have to be very intentional because, uh, uh, quite frankly, there's a guy named Ben Mandrell who's a, a church uh, planter and pastor in Denver, Colorado. Uh, that we're going to be underneath. And honestly, uh, about three years ago, I had a conversation with him about men's ministry in a church. And during that conversation, uh, Ben kind of radically changed my mindset. Uh, this is just after I had gotten back from uh, Seattle. And one of the things he said is everything you say yes to is a no to something else. Mm. And so you can say yes to some really good things, to some things in your life that are really, really good. Uh, but every time you say yes to that, you're saying no to some things that probably could be better. Uh, I'm a big believer in a essentialist mentality. Uh, we need to scale back everything so that we can focus on the things God's uniquely gifted us in. And so for us, my wife and I had to take a look at our calendars, take a look at our schedules and say, what are we saying yes to? They're good things, but not are the best things that we can do. Um, I believe God gives us a unique gift in some things. Uh, we're uh, really good at some other things. We're average in things and we're bad at some things. And I think too many times we say yes to the good things and the things that we're really good at, but we're saying no to the things that God has uniquely gifted us in. And so we just kind of had to evaluate what are the things that we're uniquely gifted at that God has given us that, that we have said no to because of our busy schedule. And a lot of times, Churches are the ones that are making our schedules busy, and uh, yeah, we're, we're doing really good things like Wednesday night equipping and Sunday, Sunday uh, night, uh, Tuesday uh, visitation and things like that. But sometimes that ruins the margin in our life to even know our neighbor's name. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I hear intentionality. I hear uh, really looking at the calendar and seeing where that margin can come out to, to really be effective either locally, neighborhood, or within the city what uh, else do you feel like somebody who might be considering church planning yeah. what's the mentality other than crazy uh, for a <laughs> church planner but but what is it that maybe in their personality and their chemical and their calling I mean what is it that really a, a mentality a church planner needs to have yeah you know I think um I think a go-getter is something you need to have. Uh, I don't know any other way better to describe it than just to be a go-getter um, because uh, things are not given to you. You know, I, I come from a church uh, that has tons of resources, tons of uh, resources in terms of people and money and uh, programs and everything else. Uh, but uh, the, the thing is, is when you're church planning, you are the resource. <laughs> you yeah. are the one that's going out and getting those. So you have to be able to wake up uh, and just get after it. And, and so that's kind of an entrepreneurial mindset. Mm. Um, you've got to be thinking constantly about what is next and how you can cast the vision towards what God has laid on your heart. Um, but quite frankly, it has to 100% just be in a reliance upon the Lord. Um, I, I think NAM, the North American Mission Board, does a fantastic job in vetting their church planters and their church planter assessment. Uh, you're looking eyeball to eyeball with men and women that have planted churches uh, that are gauging you on nine categories. And some of those are, are your, your marriage health, your family dynamics, uh, your leadership ability, uh, your call, and your ability to cast vision, your ability to preach. Uh, they are looking at several things that you, you can't fake it. You mm -hmm. can't look at somebody and say, you know, it'd be really cool to go out to Denver and plant a church. 
coach. Uh, if that's the mindset that's not there, you really 100% have to have that Isaiah 6-8 kind of moment that says, here I am, Lord, send me. I can't do this. I can't do it on my own, but I'm relying 100% totally on you and your ability and your gifting in me. So let's flip it just a little bit. What can a church do mm. to encourage the development of church planners and then in support of church planners? Yeah, I think um, we were a part of a process of a very organic leadership development process at, at Bellevue. We came as just uh, a husband and wife that needed to be more involved. And we were equipped through small groups, through promptings to serve through those people in small groups, uh, through uh, serving and becoming a deacon, through people investing in our lives, through being in staff meeting. And so we kind of went through this natural progression of a leadership pipeline. Uh, one of the things, I was telling somebody the other day, one of the things that keeps me up at night is we are fortunate by God's hand and his sovereignty and his divine appointment for us to be church planters. But I wonder how many more churches could be producing church planters or pastors if they were very intentional in their leadership development process, if they were looking at young and up-and-coming people in their church and giving them ministry, quite frankly, before they're ready. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says that we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that we have unity and maturity. And quite, quite honestly, a lot of times we wait until that maturity is there until we give the ministry. Mm. Well, all of us sitting here would say that we've been given ministry before we were ready to have it. Mm -hmm. And so I honestly was just given way too much ministry before I was ready. But that brought a maturity and brought a development process in me where God began to work and work and work mm. until it just uh, grew a passion that I couldn't turn down. And so I wonder how many more churches, if they were intentional in their leadership development, would have more and more people coming out of their churches to start more and more churches. Yeah, yeah. so really for a church to see itself as a ascending, uh, which is what we're called to do anyway yeah. as believers, Great Commission, but then to, to really be intentional uh, is what you said. I mean, it sounds like the intentionality of, of being both a planner yeah. and an equipper. Yeah. So, so you've been in Denver about a week or so now. I yeah. uh, really haven't had time to, to really get fully uh, settled and everything. But what are some ways that people could pray, not only for what lies ahead for you and your family, but yeah. maybe for Denver in general? Yeah. And tell us a little bit about, about that. I tell you, the biggest piece of partnerships for church planters is their prayer piece. And NAM is doing a really good job with praying for planters uh, and the website that they've created. Our pastor of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, Dr. Steve Gaines, uh, is a huge proponent of prayer. That's what our convention is about this week. Uh, and quite frankly, there's not a whole lot a church can do that is going to do anything that even scays or touches the surface of praying for church planters. Uh, there are spiritual warfare that we never know that happens. Uh, there are instances and occurrences. Uh, there are resources and timing that, that are not going to be available. I, I fully believe, and, and Dr. Gaines says this all the time, there are some things that are going to happen whether or not we pray. Mm. But I fully believe that there are some things that happen when we pray. And so uh, what you can do for, for the most part is pray for church planters, pray for their families, pray for transition, uh, pray for partnerships, pray for uh, mission trips, uh, pray for the financial needs that are going out there. And then Denver specifically, uh, in the greater Denver area, there's 4.2 million people and 90% of those are unchurched. Uh, and so we don't need bigger churches in Denver. We just need more churches to fill communities. And so what we really need is just open doors and access to gospel conversations with people in the city. Uh, that whether they know it or not, uh, God loves them. 
and, and God desires that all of them should be saved. And so uh, those, those prayer conversations uh, for those gospel conversations only open when we are so wholeheartedly investing and fervently praying for those conversations to happen. And so uh, even if you're in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, or Nashville, or Memphis, or Jackson, or Dyersburg, or wherever you are, even though you may not be able to go and plant a church or be a, a part of it or financially give the way some other churches can, your prayers are much more uh, sufficient and and doing more for the church planters than anything you could possibly think of. Yeah, and it sounds like just those things that you suggest for praying for uh, Denver is a great place for people to start in their own community, yeah. just like you started in your own community and just finding ways to serve locally and then within your community that led to something bigger. Yeah. Uh, people that pray for their for those gospel conversations to happen right there. Uh, that leads to a larger worldview, and you start to see kind of that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, yeah. and obviously Denver falls uh, somewhere along that, that yeah. uh, spectrum. So, well, Chris, uh, blessings on you and your family, and thanks so much for taking a little time to talk with us today. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to Radio BNR, a podcast production of The Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded at baptistandreflector.org forward slash radio BR. The ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptist.org.